Welcome to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Mass Effect 3. I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Shoots and Ladders. I'm John Rowe, and my game of the week is not Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Oh, that's mean. That, that was a great little uh, classic LucasArts bit. Why would yes. you do that, John? Uh, just not this week. All right. Maybe every other week. Oh, what what yes. platform was that on? Was that, wasn't that like a Super NES game? It's, uh, it might have been NES, but yeah, it is either that or Super. Wow. I think it was a Super NES. I have a copy, actually, at my friend's. That's awesome. Don't leave it over there. Your friend might, like, eBay that or something. Yes. Keep an eye on that. Now, now John Rowe, you've been invited here today for... Two reasons. Yes. The first reason is next to uh, James Earl Jones and that hobo that got hired by a baseball team and then spent <laughs> it on booze and then went on Dr. Phil. Next to those two guys, you have one of my favorite voices to listen to. Oh, thank you. Uh, the other reason we can't mention just yet because it would spoil your game of the week. I'm really mm-hmm. psyched to talk mm-hmm. to someone who's played this thing, uh, so I'm really glad you're here to tell us about that. Yes. Um, now, if folks like me have this weird man crush on your voice, where else can they hear it, by the way? Well, I do a weekly podcast that is uh, somewhat funny, um, and it's called Born in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So if you just look that up on iTunes or to the website 80spodcast.com, and that's where you can find it. I thought you guys had that Party Platypus domain. Is that gone? We also do have Party Platypus domain, but 80s podcast is easier to remember than some, and also easier to spell, to be honest. I don't know. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember Party Platypus much longer than 80s podcast, I, I will say. That, that is possible. <laughs> it's funny to watch the search results and see how terribly Platypus is spelled, yet they somehow still get to my website. And that's not a word that you have to write very often, I no. will say. Uh, and so uh, it's you and a couple of your friends, and basically, uh, like, like this is a games podcast. We're not terribly focused, but one thing I will say about your podcast, you guys are even less focused. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> it's kind of on the whim. Uh, we have our big 50th episode coming up next week, so that will be exciting. We all drink a lot of beer and do a power hour, which you may not know about, where we drink a shot of beer every minute. And we had to change the topic of conversation every minute. So the audience can play along and listen to us basically die. Was was this podcast? Is this podcast in the can, as it were? Yes, it is. We did it last weekend. <laughs> All right. So uh, so real time drunkenness is what it, we can look forward to. Real time becoming sick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So congratulations, by the way, fifty episodes. That's quite yeah, a milestone. Yeah. Good. Uh, all right, well, let's jump into our uh, our format this week. McMaster, what should this week's format be? Um, you know, I'd like to I'd like to start with news because, uh, it, dear uh, listeners, uh, John and I have Tom stumped about a big piece of news that just broke, and it's kind of uh, entertaining to us. So, yeah, like I I feel like I'm sort of on the hook, like I'm like squirming like a worm on a hook here. So we're we're recording on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, as soon as I join up with these guys, I'm like, oh, did you hear about the news? And I was like, what, that Jillian Michaels adopted a baby, uh, the American Idol finale? It's none of that stuff, apparently. This is gaming-related. I guess I guess you would say it's significant. I don't, uh, so, John, this ends up being your news of the week. Uh, maybe you can make me guess it. Like, give me hints, and we'll see if I can guess it. 
All right. Well, uh, it has to do with the game that came out earlier this year. Uh, it's been in the news a lot lately, and um, uh, some sort of financial trouble. Oh. Okay. Well, wait a minute. So when you say earlier this year, yes. I'm assuming it's not like like it imminently came out. It's not like Diablo three. No. So I'm going to go back. Uh, Mass Effect three came out earlier this year. That's that true. Similar genre. Hmm. So it's got spaceships. Uh, yes. Well, yes. <laughs> and it's, okay. If, but but if the game came out earlier this year, what does it matter if it's in financial? Like it didn't sell well. So it's some game that came out earlier this year that didn't sell well. It's not the game as much. Oh, is it developer studio. going? Oh, is it under the developers going under? Yeah, actually, I believe uh, the, at least rumors seem to be just coming in. Like as we're recording. I'm now looking it, up a whole bunch of news stories about this. Okay, it's not this thing with 38 in Rhode Island because that's old news. I don't. Maybe you guys are just now hearing about that. It's, it's not, not old news anymore, as it seems to be more than just missing some payments. Uh, there yeah. seem to be reports of them being shuttered completely. Oh, 38 Studios. So that's the news that you're talking about. And big, mm-hmm. huge games. Okay. Lay off. They laid off their entire staff. Yeah. All right, well, I thought this was going to be something, like, unprecedented that, that was just out of the blue. I could kind of see that coming. I mean, as much as I hate to say that. Yeah, yeah it's sad. but yeah. Well, sure, but it just happened. So yep, right, it is right. no longer coming. It is right. in the now, just like we are. So, yeah, we are experiencing this real time right now, the, the news. So, uh, so, John, the idea is people are now saying, you know what, it's over, the jig is up, they've closed the doors, everybody's sent home. Stick yeah. a fork in it, it's done, that kind of thing? Yeah, there's actually an email leaked yeah. from an employee that I, I'm reading here. They talked about how they haven't been paid since April 30th, and they just found out that they're not getting paid because there's no paycheck that they got for their you know May 15th, and now they're being told their medical insurance runs out at midnight tonight. This is not good. Just real sudden. Wow. All right, well, that's one of the many reasons that I have no desire to work in the, the games development yeah. industry. I just, that sort of thing is far too common. I mean, this is a worst-case scenario of, yeah. you know, the way that the taxpayer money from Rhode Island was involved. Like, this is just a, a perfect storm of just awful stuff coming together. But this sort of thing is just far too common to hear about. Uh, so, all right, well, you know what? I, I was coming back from GDC, um back when they had it a few months ago, and I w- had a layover. No, I was just stuck. I was at the airport early, and I was stuck at the airport sitting around, and you can always tell someone in the industry uh, mm-hmm. by either the swag they're carrying or their demeanor or just kind of a look. Like, we all have this kind of gaming industry radar, I think. You can suss out other gamers. You can see people in the industry. So, And, of course, it was after GDC, and people were flying home. So I was stuck at the airport for, like, a couple hours, and... Some guy came up and introduced himself to me and and said he was from 38, and uh, I ended up just hanging out with him and talking to him in the airport. Kingdoms of Amalur had just come out, uh, and I feel bad I can't remember his name because he was a great guy and he had he was a family guy and he was talking about you, you know the morale at the studio now that the game had come out and was being somewhat warmly received, uh, and he's just a great fella. And now I hate to think that poor guy is. You know, out of work, and he's got no medical insurance at midnight. So, our hearts go out to you, 38. Bounce back. Yep. All right, thanks. The, oh, the go best ahead. News. This isn't the best news to start a podcast on. I was going to say, yeah, thanks for bringing us down, John. Nice work. Well, uh, we, we're going to start down and build up. 
You know what? Yeah, let's. So this is the uh, the bottom. Now the roller coaster is climbing up the hill. Uh, let me. Actually, I'm not sure that metaphor works. Uh, let me let me just take us out of the slough of despond with my news, and then we'll go to you, McMaster. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you guys know what Nourishima Hex is? Am, am I just like being too geeky with strategy no. board games? Yeah, oh, of course I, I know what Nourishima Hex is. So, but John, you don't know, right? Are you saying? Well, absolutely no clue. See, McMaster, now why are you going, of course I know what Nourishima Hex is. Like, I'm, a, I'm a huge board game fan. We talk about it all the time. Of course I know what Nourishima Hex is. Do you actually have a copy of the physical thing, though? Because I don't. I wish I kind of did. No, I have an iPad copy, though. Okay. Uh, all right, well, so McMaster, you know what this is. Uh, John, let me explain it to you. Nourishima Hex, and this might you might fall asleep. If you're not a board gamer, John, you might fall asleep while I'm in the process of just telling you what it is, like in one sentence. This might just knock you right out. Okay, well, here you go. Then then wrap your head around this. It is a hex-based, tile-laying, post-apocalyptic, card-drawing, turn-based... Well, it's it's naturally turn-based. You don't really have real-time board games. Uh, Turn-based board game. There you go. Uh, And there's there's an iPhone version... Uh, as is the case with a lot of great board games. But for the longest time, I think well over a year, there was no multiplayer support in this iPhone version. Uh, they, The developers at Big Daddy Creations have just fixed that. Just last week, they finally put out an update that they've been teasing us with for a long time. Uh, it lets you play the asynchronous multiplayer over your iPhone. Uh, which I have yet to do because I'm so awful at this game uh, that I'm not about to, like... If I were to jump into a multiplayer game right now, I would, it would just fall apart. I would I would instantly lose. Uh, so I haven't tried the multiplayer yet. I've set up a few games. It's a little clunky, oddly enough. Uh, but now it's in there. You can now play Nourishima Hex uh, multiplayer. So, McMaster, are you up for a game with me? Yeah, sure. Are you good? No. Better not be. I'm terrible. Okay, I let- honestly am. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, like, it'll be another one of our uh, shenanigans that we had with... Uh, what, what were we playing? That it was just we had. I had no idea what the hell was going on. So Nourishima Hicks does remind me a lot oh. of Tigris and Euphrates, which you and there I. There we go. Yeah, we played one game of Tigris and Euphrates, which was basically basically just the two of us like putting down tiles and not really sure what's happening. And then in the course of like two moves, suddenly it was over, and one of us had decisively won, and we were kind and of. That- that yeah, person was Tom. That person was me, but but here's the thing: I didn't feel I did, it wasn't a gratifying win because we both were kind of sitting there afterwards, scratching our heads, going, "What what happened?" Like it's, it's not hollow victory. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it's kind of like I accidentally won. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's that. Nourishima Hex is a lot like that. In that Tigers and Euphrates, you're putting down little pieces, uh, and it's all very abstract. Nourishima Hex isn't quite as abstract. It's got you know, the little pieces are armies, and they either shoot or punch, and some of them are like officer pieces, and there's a grenade. and uh, But you're putting down the little pieces, and then at some point, you're basically building a house of cards. And at some point, someone is going to play a, a tile that basically says, go! And then all the little pieces interact, and the whole thing you've built falls apart, and basically one guy is left standing. And whoever's left standing the most times out after a few of these encounters uh, wins the game. Hmm. So... Is that uh, so, a two-player game? I think you can go up to four players, which just oh. wa- would would make my head explode. I mean, that was yeah. that would be insane. Uh, but it's definitely it works fine as two players. Yeah. So 
Uh, yeah, Nurashima Hex is great. Uh, it's it's a great implementation on the iPhone. Really good AI. It's the kind of game that AI is just brutal at because it's all about sussing out these little patterns. Uh, and now available for multiplayer. So there you go. There's my news. John, what kind of board games are you into? Well, um, I'm with a, a pen and paper RPG group. We play Pathfinder, Dungeons and Dragons, all sorts of games like that. But sometimes we do play board games. Um, mostly we've been playing, uh, uh, oh, the Cthulhu board game that I can't think of the name of. Arkham, Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror, right. Yep. Yeah, we play a lot of Arkham Horror because it's pretty much a board game version of Dungeons and Dragons with a, uh, Cthulian twist to it. And, uh, yeah, so we play that. And I think we've also played Elder Sign, which is a less yep. board gamey version of that. That's all in the dice. It's a very dicey one. Yeah, literally dicey. Yes. Like, it is not fun sometimes because you just can't roll. Um, oh, yeah. Now, John, let me let me suggest a house rule for you in Arkham Horror that made all the difference for me. Are you ready for this? Sure. Whenever someone has an encounter, the person to his left has to read the card to him. Hmm. Because otherwise, when you just pick it up and you read the card yourself, it doesn't have that kind of like, hey, we're telling each other a story, that kind of fun interactivity. It's like, hey, this yeah. is my encounter. What am I going to do? If somebody has to listen to another player read him the encounter, that's more fun for the encounteree and the mm-hmm. reader of the encounter. So there you go. I'm just going to suggest that. I call that the Chick Arkham Horror House Rule. Anyone listening may feel free to implement that. I recommend it. Excellent. Yeah, with Elder Sign, <laughs> we spiced it up by... Uh, I had uh, made myself the, because uh, the clock kind of goes through hours of the day as yep. uh, people play. And uh, once it hits midnight, a new effect happens for the next day. And I made myself the bearer of the effects, basically. And I played a gong noise on my computer every midnight <laughs> so that everyone would know that uh, terrible things were afoot. And that made it a little bit more fun. But You, you, you basically know. had a multimedia version of the game going there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Spicing it up there. Uh, you know what? That, that, by the way, though, John, in all seriousness, a huge part of a good board gaming experience is uh, what music will the host be playing in the background? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, we don't play a lot of music with our gaming group, but often uh, we, we'll play D&D, and we're very, um, I guess, unfocused. Uh, and we'll end up playing just if someone mentions a song offhand. A lot of early 90s uh, alt-rock is played, jokingly, your Spin Doctors, or uh, The Hustle we play quite a lot, uh, just for, Wait. For, for no reason, really. While you're playing D&D? Yeah, uh, I'll just play early 90s rock for battle music uh, quite often, some Third Eye Blind. That's a total anachronism, you realize, because they didn't have alt-rock back then. <laughs> that is true. Um, not, uh, you, not, not in the land of I don't know where D and D takes oh. place in anymore. Forgotten yeah. realms a lot of times. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. They added that new one to the hell. Eberron. 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 Oh See, yeah, right. Of course. I just want, yeah, I just established some serious D and D nerd cred. I would like that to be recognized. Um, yeah. Well, we we play in mostly uh, created universes, so we don't play with those other ones. So in your created universes, there is alt-rock that has been invented already. Definitely. <laughs> Do you guys know the movie Knight's Tale, by the way? With Heath uh, yeah. Didn't that have, because it was like an actual medieval times, but they did this crazy like contemporary soundtrack with it. I've actually never seen it, but I remember hearing that that was one of the, you either loved that or you hated that about Knight's Tale. 
I love it and hate it. <laughs> Fair enough. Good. I think it's great and a ballsy move, so I got to give them some props there, and it's kind of hilarious. So I guess I can't hate it too much. Now, John, how do you feel about playing dubstep during the trailer for Red Tails, that World War? II- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's, uh, yeah, that got me. That, that was, was a really great trailer. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. I was really excited to see that movie because I like the the story. I'd seen the HBO uh, Tuskegee Airmen movie with Cuba Gooding, and uh, then I saw that trailer and I was kind of like, ah, all right, that's a way to go with it. Oh my God! Did you see his interview? I think it was on the Daily Show uh, uh-huh. where uh, Lucas. Oh God! Oh, where he was. This. Yeah, he was talking about how like there had been no mainstream movie with like a, a a mostly black cast or all black cast ever and oh yeah he sacks but um <laughs> and then he went into uh how he was uh how red tails was part of a trilogy and then all it was right. going, that it was going to be the um closest thing we'll ever get to another Star Wars trilogy, All which right. actually I was glad to hear that. <laughs> Get your hands <laughs> off of it, Lucas. At least I, don't, I mean I don't have to watch Red Tails. Like, I, hey, I I love the I swear to God the Tuskegee Airmen story, uh, but I didn't, you know, I mean dubstep, you know, uh, seriously. There's a time. Uh, okay. I, I yeah, there's a time to play that. You know what? Maybe this would have been better than dubstep. Yeah, it would have been that. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, you can add dubstep to just about everything, apparently. Uh, but even Clash of the Titans is suited more for dubstep <laughs> than Red Tails. You know, I, I just I don't get it. That's you could release the heavy drop instead of the Kraken. Ah, very good, Jairo. Uh, McMaster, what, if we were playing board games at your house, what, what would you have on tap for us music-wise? Music-wise, uh, Pixies, mostly. Nice. All right, everyone over to McMaster's house for board gaming tonight. Good. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, can we play Neurotima Hex at your house, though, McMaster? No, because you don't have it. Well, I have an iPad, and you have whatever you're using now. It's your iPhone. Big air quotes iPhone. Uh, and, um, yeah. <laughs> it runs iPhone games, ergo, it is an iPhone. See how that works? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so my news of the week, we can now we cannot play Nurashima Hex at McMaster's house, but we can play it multiplayer on our iPhones and iPads. Uh, so McMaster, what news do you have that tops that? God, I know this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. However, I think I have something to top it. Sega and Double Fine announced the cave today which is a Ron Gilbert game that he's been kicking around for quite some time. Now, this is not the same thing as Double Fine Adventure. So this is a separate uh, a separate game. Uh, it's going to be released for consoles and PC. Uh, and there's not really a lot we know about it yet, but I'm a huge Ron Gilbert fan. Now, so, do we know why it's called The Cave? You know, I, I actually don't know. Because I just I, I immediately think, what is this like a, you know, the the Plato allegory? What's why is he calling it that? Is there gonna be shadows on the wall? Is there something in the cave? There might well, be see, something in the cave. I see pictures, and it looks like there is a large cave uh, around. 
Uh, so this is like Maniac Mansion, where there's going to be multiple characters uh, to choose from to play around in. Right, yeah. You, you like assemble a team and send them out. Yeah, so, that, so which is really awesome. If it's Maniac Mansion-esque, I would be giddy. But, no. So so Ron Gilbert is working on this, but what about their uh, the Double Fine Adventure, the Kickstarter project? He's doing both oh. simultaneously? Well, yeah, and you got Schaefer, you know. I mean, he's nothing to sneeze at. That's true. Good point. He was probably one of he was. I mean, him and Gilbert together is awesome. I mean, Monkey Island's fantastic. So, wow. now, McMaster, when can we play the cave? Uh, next Thursday. You are such a liar. I'm going to stop asking <laughs> that because. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, early 2013. No, I, I liked next Thursday better. Go back to. The I did interim. too. I did too. But hey, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth, Tom. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a fair point. Uh, all right. So the cave from Ron Gilbert and Double Fine. Uh, looking forward to anything they do that's not Sesame Street themed. So good to know. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's talk games of the week. Uh, so before we start, John, um, are you playing Diablo 3? I am playing Diablo 3. Okay, good. Hold that thought, because I wasn't sure if we would be <laughs> well, leaving you behind. If if it came up. I'm not saying it's going to come up. Who knows? Shit, it'll uh, come up. <laughs> it'll come up. We don't know. We don't know. There's That's no true. We don't know. It might not come up. But. So far, except for me saying that, it hasn't come up. So we'll see. Uh, McMaster, why don't you pick someone to go first? All right, let's. John, why don't you go? Yeah, sweet. All right. All right, well, I might be cheating a bit because my game of the week isn't really a game, but more of a mod for a very unpopular game that has made it more popular, I guess. Oh, yeah. But I'm, t- I'm talking about DayZ, which is the total conversion zombie mod for Arma 2. Now, when you say it that way, though, John, I almost think of the song that Hal thinks when they're disconnecting him. <laughs> but that's only because, like, I'm used so to horrific. Yeah. But I'm used to seeing it's your, uh, you know, Day Z, and then like, like World War Z, Day Z. So what a great title for it. I was thinking of the Hova. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, the Hova. The first time I heard, I saw it, I actually thought it was like days, you know, with a, a oh, Z oh, instead yeah. of an S, and like I was like, that days. sounds stupid. Yeah, like the Spike Lee movie School Days. Did, right. Didn't play make this? Is that what you're? Uh, never mind. <laughs> uh, so, a couple of things that I'm wondering about. Uh, now you'll you'll tell us a bit about what it is first of all, but uh, how did you discover it, and how much of a hassle was it to get into it? Uh, well. I discovered it um, uh, from some video game news websites, such as Rock, Paper, Shotgun, putting on how this is a phenomenal game and it changes the, you know, zombie survival genre. And I was like, and it's a mod for Arma 2, which I'm one of 2,000 people in the U.S. that own a copy of the game. I am too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, brothers. Yes. Um, and so uh, I got that. It's actually really easy to set up because all you need to do is drop a folder in there, put all the files in, and actually then you have to edit some of the launch code. Okay, it's not that easy to set up. <laughs> I noticed how you were second-guessing whether or not you should have said that as you were explaining the things that have to be done. <laughs> but as someone who's dealt with Arma 2 for quite a while and played it a bunch, uh, I'm already used to all of the terribleness uh, and uh, complicatedness of that game, so it didn't really affect me very much. 
Well, there is a lot of like Arma 2 is it has its own uh, like vocabulary, if you will, like how you interact and how you move around things and just, you know, how to like you can play Arma 2 and think, oh, my God, I can't I can't get over this fence. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, there's a get over the fence key and it's not intuitive. I mean, there's all kinds of little tricks like that lurking in Arma 2 that those of us who've played it were used to that. But I think Mm -hmm. someone coming fresh to DayZ is is that's going to be just part of the learning curve for the and you'll see it in the game too because people will spawn in and just be trucking around and die instantly because they don't know what to do um and it, the game has i thought i saw that at least last weekend it had moved up to like top seller on steam so it's been very popularized through this mm-hmm. game i guess or this mod now explain for us what it's like what does the mod do and uh, what kind of experiences have you had with it all right well, it's a zombie conversion mod for Arma 2. It takes the continent Cherneris, or however you pronounce that with a Russian accent, and it basically zombifies everyone. And it's a very hyper-realistic survival game. So you basically start out on a beach, you got your gun, can of beans, a bottle for water, and you're just set loose. And there's zombies everywhere. You try and find supplies, and you got to watch out for other players who will either befriend you or murder you and take your beans, which happens Damn. quite often. What do they want your beans for? Well, it's a survival game. So beans. they've built in. Now they've gone. I know the last time I was on the podcast, I talked about another crazily realistic, complicated game known as Dwarf Fortress. Uh This game also is crazily realistic, and so you actually have health bars that are dependent on uh, food and drink, and uh, with the newest update that actually just rolled out this weekend, there's temperature that can affect your health, and if you get too cold for too long, you may have a fever and get sick, and you can can make other people sick if you're near them, and uh, coughing out loud... Uh, can happen as well, and that's not good when you're trying to sneak around and stay hidden from zombies. Now, one of the one of the uh, almost prohibitively punishing uh, nods to realism that I've heard about is uh, your character's hunger uh, exists in real time, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like when you that, log off, you're still losing your appetite bar or whatever. That is correct. So the 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 I guess I mean it is, seems like oh that's kind of realistic and neat. But it's also kind of stupid because you just don't eat when you play, and then when you first log on, it won't kill you while you're offline. And so when you first log on, you just eat right away. And, it, you know, so everyone knows don't eat until it gets red or you log off or after you log off. So, it, And it's kind of one of the things with this game being an alpha or this uh, mod, so they don't expect it to be completely perfect right now and they're working out kinks and trying new things and that's kind of what's fun about being in it but uh i think my favorite part of the game though is just how desolate it is you know it's a zombie game and it's a post-apocalyptic game but it's not like there's thousands of zombies chasing you everywhere you're just kind of sneaking around in the woods and you might not see someone for five ten minutes or you're walking around and then you'll see a house and sneak around it and then see that there's a couple zombies inside and decide whether or not it's worth it to try and go and see if there's anything useful in the house because 
fighting some zombies may cause more to show up or you may get injured and then not be able to walk around to be killed. And it's just kind of one of those crazy survival games that uh, makes you think a lot about what it would really be like if this happened. You know, John, to hear you mention that and uh, to to sort of imagine what the pacing must be like, where you're in just this big, empty area and maybe nothing will happen for 10 minutes, uh, very few games have the courage to do that, to put the player through downtime in order to make the action time more meaningful. Uh, and, and one of the rare games I think of that appreciated that, and I think it got a lot of flack for this because some players just aren't ready for this, but it reminds me of Far Cry 2, which was a game I loved, but there was a lot of travel time and just downtime and just moving to the next encounter and deciding whether or not to go around these guys or go through them. But you could play Far Cry and have these 10-minute stretches where nothing happened. So I really appreciate that that a game, that a mod that's that's doing this, that has that kind of erratic pacing, is finding an audience. That's just so heartening to hear. Um, now, one of the uh, one of the the criticisms that I've heard about it uh, is that, and this again is in alpha, so you know it obviously has a lot of work to go. Uh, is that the the Arma 2 engine really isn't built for that kind of like close combat, hand-to-hand melee stuff. Like I think of a game like Dead Rising, which was built around this idea that you're going to be surrounded by zombies and you're going to want to wail away at them. And it does that sort of thing well. Uh, but one of the criticisms I've heard about DayZ is that it really feels kind of kludgy. Has uh, that been your experience? And what is it like? How do you actually deal with zombies here? Well, it is it is kludgy because it's Arma 2, and if anyone has played Arma 2 extended <laughs> uh, periods of time, you know that it is very kludgy, especially at close range. Right. Uh, and they'll they'll talk about they actually built the game to be you know combat at 200 meters, you know, like real military combat. You know, you don't close in, you fire from afar, and in a zombie game, that's not really the way it works. And it's actually really interesting because the enemy AI that's still in the game from Arma is the serpentine running motion. <laughs> and so you'll see zombies that when they get spooked and they see you, they'll just run in a serpentine fashion at you, you know, and it makes it makes it hard to shoot them, but it doesn't seem very realistic for someone who wants your brains to be uh, dodging and weaving like that. Um, and <laughs> it gets well, very really- difficult really want your brains i mean i think that's the message they're trying to put forward i mean other zombies are lazy yeah these zombies smartly want your brains they they (laughs) they will execute tactics to get to your brains yes yeah and i think one of my biggest criticisms of the game is just the zombie behavior and think of you know 28 days later zombies they're fast they sprint at you and so if you get noticed or you make too much noise or you get too close and they they you know get alerted it's just you know go time they book at you so fast that it almost glitches um you know because the server lag and it and i feel like if they were to tone it down it might change the game i don't know i mean it is an alpha and they may try it at some point but uh it gets real difficult to shoot at something that's kind of popping around because of all the server lag Right. Now, they do a weird thing with the uh, their persistent servers, but more importantly, persistent characters, because we, mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned that you're still getting hungry when you're offline. But when you log in, like your your character that you were playing before is still there with all of his stuff. Like it's got yes. this not MMO because you're not leveling up, but certainly the stuff you're gathering, you keep. Right. Yes. A lot of people said it's kind of like an, a roguelike, you know, uh, ah, where, right. where you die quite often early on. 
Um, but you don't really accrue things uh, whenever you die, so it's not exactly that way, but you just get better at the game and more cautious. And, uh, like, right now I've logged off. Uh, I can talk about the last experience I had in the game. It was actually was the first time I've ever murdered anyone in the game, uh, which I felt really bad about it at the time. Um, you know, so that's, game, how, that's how civilization falls apart, John, is when we are no better than them. I can't help it. I will walk through the situation, and then maybe you guys will be on my side. We'll see. Okay, um, yeah. So let's do. You explain it to us, and then McMaster and I will will say what we would have done in this similar situation. <laughs> okay. So I had started a new game, mm-hmm. and I I was on a Russian server because the day night cycle is twenty four hours, depending on your time zone that mm-hmm. the server is on. So at night, it's impossible to play almost unless you have a flashlight that you found in the game, uh, it's really difficult. So it's something I think they need to fix because people just switch servers to the daytime servers at night because nobody wants to play and your character is persistent. So it's not like you're penalized for switching servers. Um, Real quick, so you mentioned that, John, and sorry to interrupt, I do want to hear about your experience, but you mentioned that, but I'm thinking, okay, if it's nighttime and everybody's running off to switch servers, what a great time for me to go places that would normally be not too safe to loot, right? Like That's true. Okay. Very opportunistic, actually, and and you probably would. That's a good tactic, I guess. Now that I think about that, I've never even thought about that before. But it is, if you've played the game, it is just pitch dark at night. Right. So unless you have some sort of supplies or plans or go- night vision goggles that you can find, it makes it really difficult to play. Right. Um, okay. Okay. So so, it, so you had logged onto a Russian server. Go ahead. Started fresh with a new character, mm-hmm. and I had uh, basically. It reminds me a lot of, uh, have you seen the Hunger Games film? Yep. Like right at the start, you know, when they pop up of those pods and you log on with your first guy and you start at the beach, you just <laughs> book it. You run, run for the woods because a lot of people spawn in those areas and a lot of people just are waiting for people to spawn there to kill them and take their starting loot and ammo. And so you basically, just, I just truck it to the tree line. Maybe you um, should try just staying around and, and make, trying to make friends. Like, isn't that a great uh, place to make friends and chat with people? Uh, it could be, but I don't know. I've always played it as a lone wolf. Um, although I do, we are actually getting a land party together tomorrow night with a bunch of my friends to play online. And so hopefully we'll get a team together and, and, uh, we could, we don't have to worry so much and be so sneaky, but, um, now you do, you say that too, John, but I can't help but think what a great time to get the drop on someone. Oh, I know it is like Uh, my buddy. He thinks I'm not going to hurt him. I'll kill him and take his stuff. <laughs> then again, they're in the room with you, so. Oh, you have a good point. There might be repercussions. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think that through very well, did I? <laughs> All right, so you've got this Hunger Games starting area. You start at the beach. You get off the beach as soon as you can. Go ahead. Uh, yes, and so uh, I'm, I run through the woods. And now there's not a lot of zombies in the woods. The game is very kind of realistic. They kind of like to cluster around roads and cities and buildings. So if you're in the woods, you're generally pretty safe. There's not going to be. Sometimes there'll be a, a wandering zombie. But uh, it's not not very often you see them. So I go through the woods. I'm kind of trudging along. I don't see anybody for about ten minutes, and then I come upon a little uh, gas station and a little like electronic or not electronic, but like an electrical depot section. Mm-hmm. And I see there's an open building. And so um, not all the buildings you can go inside because it's uh, the original Arma 2 map, and it's I think the game came out in 2008. 
I can't remember. But anyway, it's, it's, it's older and it doesn't have enterable buildings for all of them. But you can see if a door is open that you can go inside. And that's where loot is typically inside buildings. And so I'm like, all right, my first place to loot. Let me see if I can't find a new gun or some food or anything. I go in there and nothing. Just some empty cans, which you can use to throw and distract zombies. So I grabbed a couple of those, but, uh, I pop out. Um, I spend a lot of time, and a lot of things you do in this game, especially if you're lone wolfing it, just to get some tactics in for you, is you just you try and stay silent, and you try and sneak, and you can sneak around the zombies. They aren't very smart; they can't see very well. So you can, you know, lay low, prone. You can crawl. Just uh, someone said that they reminded them a lot of that sequence in Call of Duty Four. Uh, when you're trying to sneak through the army, prone, wearing the camouflage, and the tanks roll over your head. And uh, so that's what you kind of do with the zombies, is you sneak around. Mm-hmm. And so I snuck in. It took me a long time to get in there. I had to wait for the zombies to path around. Um, and I made my move, got in there, nothing. Disappointing, because I had spent all that time. And so I pop out, shot immediately with a sniper rifle. I just am dead. Like, I just pop my head out the door. I'm killed immediately. <laughs> you, you're so, making me not like this game now. It, it you kind of have to be a little masochistic to enjoy the game. <laughs> you have to. It's it's like kind of like a Dark Souls. You have to enjoy the failure as much as you enjoy the playing of it. And well, and I just, was just for, like for people listening too, we should point out. I don't think we've mentioned it is permadeath. Like you don't respawn. Your character's gone, and all your stuff is gone. Right. Yeah, it's not permadeath as you can't play. But yes, uh, you, all the stuff you've gained gone. You start a new guy basically. Right. Right. And so I wait a minute. I haven't. Where you had no chance to murder someone because now you're dead. Nope. <laughs> this is where it comes back. Revenge. So, All right. Uh, Arma two being happily bugged decided to respawn me not at the beach but right where I died. Ah. Um. And so uh, I immediately look to see if the coast is clear and run to the woods uh, across the the way from where I had died. And I basically stood in the woods and was scanning the tree line over there to see if someone would come and loot my body, you know, and maybe, you know, retaliate and get whatever gun they used to snipe me. Mm-hmm. And um, it was actually kind of neat because, I mean, the game is just, it's so cool because you have these moments where you're sitting there, I'm like laying prone in the trees, like looking across a ridge, like waiting for movement to see if some guy comes out, you know. And it just feels very, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm actually playing something here that, you know, I've, I'm invested, I guess, in the action in the game a lot. And um, nobody came out. And so I was like, all right, I guess he just picked me off and either got to my body before I did or not. So I move on and this is where i encounter my next person not i'm telling the long version of this story because um it it, i'm trying to make it so it makes sense that i killed this person so i was just killed by someone in the area um and i head on down the woods and i see a barn and i stop wait at the tree line I, you can read all these guides and people are like you need to you know you need to not silhouette you yourself they have all these like there's a guy who's an ex-marine that wrote this huge guide on reddit and he was like use all these military tactics where you you know hide in bushes <laughs> you don't silhouette yourself on a ridge you stick to the tree line you know and so i stop and scope out this barn and there's a lot of zombies around it and then i see movement like really quick movement and i'm like that's not a zombie and I see a survivor dart into the barn. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, crap. He's going to get whatever loot I wanted. 
in the barn. This is useless. And I wait for a while for him to come out so I can, you know, go in and see if he left anything for me. And he doesn't go away for a while. And so I'm just staking this place out, and I don't know what's going on. So I slowly inch my way into the barn, walk up the stairs, and he's sitting there with a rifle, the Lee Enfield rifle, which is one of the lower level weapons you can get, but it is a long range rifle. So he's sitting there with it. And I'm like, Oh crap. Like first reaction. What do I do? I shot him in the head immediately. He was he was looking at you or did you have the Uh, drop on him? I had the drop on him. I snuck up the stairs. He was hiding behind a hay bale and I don't think he saw me, Mm -hmm. but I shot him in the head. So I guess that kind of condemns me a little bit. Well, you know what? Let's find. So, McMaster, if you were in this situation, what would you have done? Uh, I don't know. If I had the drop on a guy that had a long-range rifle, and apparently he was trying to, I don't know, kill somebody. I mean, you know, or he could have been watching for zombies. I don't know. See, it's a tough case, but uh, it is. But you must now make the call. John Rowe made a decision. What oh, yeah. would your decision be? <laughs> uh, the end of the world? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have killed him. You know, McMaster, the fact that you are taking so long to decide makes me think that it doesn't matter because he would either turn around and kill you, or by the time you thought about it long enough, you would know whether or not he was going to kill you, and you would establish that, hey, you guys could be friends. So, McMaster, I think through your, uh, through your sort of waffling <laughs> about, uh, you've made the world a better place. <laughs> well, I try. Uh, I would have probably killed him. Yeah, I, I'm totally with John on this. If you're in a game and people are sniping you, then by golly, well, if that's the level that we're going to stoop to, uh, I'm down with that. <laughs> I was, I was so, I was just like, this could have been that guy. Exactly. You know, that's the rifle. right. You know what? You, uh, you had uh, every right. Sense. Yeah. I, in your, in your mind, John, you could have gotten revenge. Just assume it was that guy, and you'll sleep better at night. But it haunts me. No, it was that guy. This could have been some guy who's just starting the game. He's like, oh, I found a rifle. Dead. And I just killed him. I'm that guy now that's killing people. You got the rifle, though, right? I do have the rifle now. Well, in that case, I say all's well that ends well. I know. (laughs) He got his beans, right? Oh, yeah. Don't forget the beans. Beans. (laughs) He had cans of soda on him. Which Sweet. actually have Coca-Cola logos on them. Whoa, whoa, is, whoa! That's not that's illegal. Probably, probably a bad idea. The beans say Heinz beans. I think. Yeah, that's illegal. Might change that. Um, yeah, but you know, I mean, if that guy had all that stuff on him, he he was probably uh, he probably killed you. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Those were your beans in the first place that he took. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, by the way, John, you mentioned the Coca-Cola logo. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy, is a, is he Russian? Is Rocket a Russian fella? Do we um, know? I don't know. I, I've heard that he actually is someone who worked on Arma 2. He's part of the Arma team. Oh, so he's, they're Czech, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're, I think they're from the Czech Republic. And okay. so... And they probably don't have to obey the same law. Like, they can maybe, although I guess, it, it, well, I was going to say. They sell here, yeah. Yeah, if they're selling it, but they're not selling it, right? Like, it's just a free downloadable mod. So oh, I would say, yeah, sure. put real world logos in there to your heart's content. I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I, I guess they probably wouldn't get in trouble for it because it's free. It's like, you know, if you put Coca Cola on your windowsill, anyone can look at it. You know, it's not like, hey. I, I like your way of thinking, John. Yeah, <laughs> okay, it might be a bit of an oversimplification now that I think about it, but um, 
I just the thing I love about the game is just the kind of how it makes you feel when you're playing it. Like you really right. are scared that someone's just going to snipe you, or that you know the next turn around the corner is just going to be the zombies, and they do not stop. Like the only way to get rid of them is to kill them. Um, so you have to. They will chase you across the entire map if they don't get bugged because Arma's a little buggy. But um, and so it's really just kind of like every step could be your last. And the music they have in the game is perfect. Like it's this ambient, quiet kind of droning horror music tone, and it, it really kind of sets the mood, especially at night when you know you can't see anything. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything to see at night? Do you have any night vision or a uh, flashlight? I have nothing right, right now. But you do ha- you start off with flares, 10 flares. But the problem with flares is everybody can see them from billions of miles away. So yeah. you have to be very careful. Often I would run with a flare for a while. This is my strategy. Um, and then just at the spotting of any other type of light or anything, I would drop the flare and immediately run away and then just park pointed at the flare, ready to kill anyone that tried to, you know, walk up to it, you know, just to be careful. So the lesson here, if somebody, if you see a flare laying around on the ground at night, don't walk up to it because John might shoot you. <laughs> I yeah. might kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you have a, a LAN group set up for this t- tomorrow. The idea, you guys have several computers at a LAN. You've all got copies of Arma 2. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're going in together, basically. Yeah, we're going to try and go into a server together, communicate you know, stick together, and, I, and it really, the game becomes a different game when you're playing with a group of people. Because when you're playing alone, it's very that survival, right. quiet, scary, I could die at any moment. Whereas when you have friends, it's kind of a, an experience where if you have a zombie chasing you, someone can pick them off for you. You know, you're not on your own. Or if you get injured, someone can bandage you. It sounds like the difference between uh, I Am Legend and uh, Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have someone else with a gun to watch your back, or are you just Will Smith on your own? Yeah, I like it both ways too. Lone oh, wolfing, yeah. it's really kind of fun, you know, just yep. walking around, being super scared of every movement. You could kill animals as well in the game. There are boars and cows and whatnot that spawn. You can take meat from them, cook that, and eat that. But starting a fire is very dangerous because. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see that from a far away, but you need to stay warm. It's it's just really kind of all these ethical and, you know, things in your mind. You have to think, what, what would I do to survive? Like, right. I could do this, but, you know, you risk yourself. And I don't know. It's just really neat. And it's it's something that's been, I don't think it's been done in a game in a long time. And, uh, and it's done well enough. I mean, there are problems with the game, but it's done well enough for it to be a lot of fun to play and hear about. It's the sort of thing to hear you uh, talk about it, John, that I can't help but think, man, in six months, in a year, what what is this going to become? Like, just imagine, give this time to sort of gel, to let Rocket bang on it, to let the player community bang on it, uh, to let it get refined. And uh, it's just, that's just very exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I actually made a Tumblr blog that has uh, Tales tales from Daisy uh, at Tumblr.com. And that is, I have started uh, finding all of these stories that people are telling of their experiences in the game. They're quite interesting to read. Um, just some of the interesting and emergent gameplay things that can happen when you're playing this game. Great. Tales from Daisy.tobler.com. Good. Yes.
All right, so uh, that's quite a game of the week. McMaster, why haven't you played Daisy? I actually know the answer to this, but I'm going to throw it out at you anyway. Uh, well, I own Arma 2, and uh, because I've just been playing nothing but Diablo 3. <laughs> that's what I, I figured that was the answer. So, McMaster, then can we infer that you're going to try to do a little sneaky thing and have the same game of the week two weeks in a row? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, or we can talk about... I don't know what else I've played. I've played some cribbage, I think. <laughs> so let's see. You're putting to us, do we want cribbage or Diablo 3? I'm going to go with Diablo 3. Yeah. Awesome. All right, all right. Yeah, we can do that. No, I, I've done nothing but play it, basically. I, I've got one character. Wait, you know what? We've to hold that thought because uh, I know John's played Diablo 3. I've certainly played it. Let me just get my dinky little choice out of the way all right. first. All right. uh, it just occurred, and then we'll wrap up with some Diablo 3 because that's what we're all raring to talk about anyway. So, Hell yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. All right, so my game of the week, um, just like my news of the week, was an iPhone game that I play on my iPhone. Uh, this is an iPhone game uh, that's a sequel to one of my favorite tower defense games. I'm just so I, I so dig this tower defense game. I'm going to name for you guys. Uh, I guess I can only think of three, but I, uh, if I were to name like my top five of all time tower defense games. Things would be on it like Plants vs. Zombies, a great game called Dungeon Defender, uh, Toy Soldiers Cold War, excellent, excellent tower defense game. And I would totally include this game, uh, Defender Chronicles, uh, which now has a sequel out, Defender Chronicles 2. It just came out today. Uh, the, the angle that Defender Chronicles takes to tower defense, the actual moment-to-moment gameplay is pretty familiar. You've got uh, creeps that come down these little avenues, and you've got all these little nodes where you build buildings and decide what kind of unit is going to go there and defend it. You can upgrade them. Uh, like, all that's very familiar. The real selling point for Defender Chronicles is this crazy long-term meta game where you are leveling up a hero and your hero is learning is is uh his or her skills go up and it affects the units that you're building there's an inventory you're unlocking maps you're you're getting stars that give your hero more uh stuff that they can do so they've just added crazy amounts of that stuff in defender chronicles 2 um they also added i feel that one of the things that a good tower defense game does is gives you something to do besides watch the attackers come and build defenders. Like, for instance, in Toy Soldiers Cold War, you're, you're, you can get in the gun and shoot the things. Like, you can be an active participant. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies, you're just, like, clicking on the little sun drops. Um, so, but a really good tower defense gives you an, a means of interacting beyond building stuff. And they've done that in Defender Chronicles 2 by giving some of the heroes and units spell powers. So they build up mana, and you can pop off a spell power. So they've got this great new addition to the gameplay. Um, but mainly it's just a crazy, long-tailed meta game based on earning tokens, which you then spend to buy equipment, to unlock new gameplay mechanics, uh, to unlock new heroes. By the way, they're two brand-new heroes. They're super expensive, so I don't have them yet. Um, you can even buy, and they're real carefree and generous with the tokens. No matter how you play, you're going to win tokens. If you play the campaign tokens if you're just going to do a freestyle game tokens if you're just going to do like the classic survival mode you get tokens they even have in the shop and i'm not sure how i feel about this you can buy a, a kind of a lottery ticket for i think it's 160 tokens and every time you buy it there's a small chance that you will win a million tokens which is <laughs> which is just a little crazy and it makes me think wait a minute 
this would like break the economy, wouldn't it? And, and maybe it would. Uh, I haven't actually sprung for that yet. I feel it's a, it's a poor tax. I'm not going to take part of that. Um, but uh, I just I just love I, I love how there's always something to spin your tokens on, um, and there's always ways to get tokens. So that's What's my game of this again. It's called Defender Chronicles Two. Uh, a publisher. The publisher's done like. Did they do that Field Runners or no that Kingdom Rush game that you love, McMaster? I think they might have also published that. The developer is called Glimka, I believe, and I I want to say they're Hungarian. Um, but the game is Defender Chronicles Two. Um, don't know what it's. At. I think it's like a one of those dollar ninety nine games. They do, of course, and I'm gonna. At some point, I'm going to stop grousing about this because everybody's doing it. But they do, of course, have in-app purchases where you can spend a dollar ninety-nine to get two thousand tokens or whatever. And I, I hate that stuff. But there's still plenty of ways from playing to get the tokens, so I don't feel like it's resting too heavily on that stuff. I'll have to check that out. I actually bought Defender Chronicles One based on a recommendation I read in the forums from you, Tom Chick. Did it work for you? Did you try it much? I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was really neat. I like the long-term RPG stuff. It really added to the game. Well, this is one where they've they've just run with that, and I kind of feel like it, it obsoletes Defender Chronicles 1 just because there's so many new kinds of uh, units and enemies. Like, that was a big part of Defender Chronicles was figuring out, well, what do I do about these slimes that break up, or how do I fight the flying creatures, or how do I fight the flying creatures that drop a walking creature? There's this great interplay of the different monsters and your defensive units, and they've just exploded that. There's so many more types of monsters, so many more defensive units with branching ways to develop them, with effects that the heroes have on them. They now have something called, this is a little confusing at first, but every time you start a game you have what's called an embassy. And your embassy is basically a list of like special kinds of units you can play just for that match. So in addition to your hero and the typical units that you're building, you can pick like one special kind of monster race. Like you can have these lizard men er- that shoot arrows, these dwarves that upgrade themselves for free, or the halflings that make you extra money and drop poison. Uh, so there's just so many more choices in Defender Chronicles too. Sounds cool. Yeah. So there you go. That's my game of the week. Yeah, you should still play Kingdom Rush. I don't. I don't know what the problem is there. The problem is Defender Chronicles 2. That would eat into my valuable Defender Chronicles 2 time. (laughs) Uh, All right, so McMaster, that leaves it to you. What is your game of the week? My game of the week is Dragon's Dogma. How dare you? (laughs) My my game of the week is Diablo 3, again. Uh, And you, I believe, are up in the hell mode, aren't you? Yeah, one of my characters is in Hell Mode, and another one's in Nightmare, and uh, I'm getting a couple more into Nightmare, because I want to try a few th- different things in Hell Mode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, Nightmare, the difference between Nightmare and Hell Mode is, is substantial. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like an understatement. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's different. Like, my Monk, for instance, which I know the physical classes always get it, when you get to the higher levels, uh, you know, I have like a 40% dodge chance and, uh, I can't like make it through most like regular fights in act one at this point, unless I'm really on the ball. Now, does your dodge get like mitigated by higher level monsters or it's just that when they do hit you, it's hitting you so hard that it hurts. It's hitting so hard. Yeah. It's like the whole thing too is there's huge, huge mobs of like monsters. 
You know, it's like, uh, and you'll like in Diablo uh, when you the first at you know the first time you play through a normal, it gives you you know monsters with one special ability. You play through on nightmare, it randoms two for them, and on hell it does three. Uh, I love that. Well, on th- <laughs> the, the the three has some really horrific combinations. Like, um, let's see, one of my personal favorites, uh, Jailer Arcane. Enchanted. Uh, Wait, so that's where they drop those little crazy turrets, uh, but but they lock you down so you can't get out of the way of the yep. beam. That is correct. McMaster, wait or, a minute. How, how is that fair? It's not. That's the whole thing with uh, with Hell Mode is that, like, you know, every time I get irritated at it, I'm like, I've beaten this game on two different difficulties to get to this. This is why I wanted to do it, so shut up. <laughs> so... <laughs> but um yeah no it, it's just like some of the fights uh, like uh king what leoric uh it took me god uh, a good while because one of his moves is an insta kill in in hellmoon and i kept like missing the the prompt for it i eventually got his like uh you know his little thing down but it's like it's not that the fight is hard once you know what's going on but the first few times you play it, like, you just run in and get insta-killed. That's probably not a good thing. So, uh, so John, now, have you, have you, tell us how far you've gotten with Diablo. Because the weird thing about Diablo 3, I think, is that it's a very different game after playing 10 hours than it is after playing 30 hours than it is after playing uh, 80 hours. Uh, so where, where are you with it, John? Well, I hit level 12. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, John, that's that's cute. I'm patting you on top of the head right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Daisy has taken up a lot of my time. So Right. Uh, well, so how how do you find it? So I talked to a good friend of mine who doesn't have a lot of time to play games today, and he was like, what's the deal with Diablo? It's so easy. I don't care about it. And, and I kind of feel, John, like you... Uh, like you're missing out on a lot of really cool stuff that it does. I felt the same way about my friend, who's who's like you. He's only got a character at like level ten or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Is it working for you, or are you in this school of thought like, oh, it's too easy? What's the big deal? Uh, I don't necessarily think it's too easy. Um, I think that uh, I was playing a monk for a while, and that was too easy, at least. Early oh yeah. On. Yeah, uh, for uh, through Nightmare too. It's like mm. you just kind of walk through it, and then Hell Mode has. They're just so po- powerful. Like the monk just oh. has so everything many moves. They, everything they do heals is the thing. Yeah. Like that's that's like how I built my guy. Especially after we discovered the elective mode, uh, where you could change your powers around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started using my left click to be either sweeping strikes, or once I got up higher in level. I was using it to be uh, to increase my attack power, which it does on every third uh, attack, and then I'd have my right click to the teleport. So you just kind of run around building up spirit, and then your every spell you get after a while just kind of heals you. So it's like see the, them all the time. The awesome stuff that you're describing, McMaster, like someone like John, who's only been able to like play up to 12 levels, like he he kind of, and this isn't a ding, John. I mean, you, this is like mandatory game tax you have to pay, but a lot of that stuff isn't really revealed until later. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, my monk is like level 56 or 57. So. <laughs> and I look forward to it because uh, I, I enjoy the game. I, and one of the reasons I've been playing so slow is that I've been trying to play with a friend. Uh, we're trying sure, to play through the yeah. whole game together, and I, I, he wanted to play monk because he, I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this, but you always play monk characters, D and D, anything. He just loves oh, monks. Yeah. Um, he's <laughs> my friend, so he wanted to be a monk, and I already had a monk, so I was like, 
I'll try a wizard because they're kind of difficult to solo usually. So if I play with somebody else, oh, yeah. it'll be a little bit easier. And yeah, it's really difficult to play with that thing solo. <laughs> yeah, Wait a it really is at first, specifically. Uh, what kind of guy is a monkophile? Somebody who always wants to play a monk? That's <laughs> I think he just I, likes I, Eastern combat, you know, kung fu. So he gets to. Ah, the, the I'll tell you what it is. Advance for me. Uh, I ever since I played one in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the first edition, and they were like super ridiculously powerful. I have to say, you kids, like when I back in my day when I played D anD D, we didn't have monks. What, what, what is it with these newfangled yeah, classes? No, I didn't. You had no McMaster. You had you had a cleric. You had a magic user. You had a thief. It wasn't called a rogue. It was called a thief. It wasn't a burglar. You had a thief. You had a uh, what else? Uh, and a fighter. Fighter. <laughs> yeah. and a so you're no, talking that, yeah, Dungeons you're right. and Dragons then, so like the initial Dungeons and Dragons. The one that us old people played. Yes, you kids these days with your fancy monks <laughs> and your your sword. Fancy monks. I think that book that I used was like made, printed sometime in the late seventies. I don't know how fancy. Yeah, <laughs> I, used play, I used to play second edition when I was in college, which isn't very oh. long ago. But I had some f- friends that were just super hardcore second edition. Like AD and D second edition is the way to go. And so I was used to you know the thief and the thaco oh. and all that old garbage that they've gotten rid of. Uh, I miss that kind of a lot of the time because I, do too. I spend I'm... the damn time to memorize it. You know, <laughs> I played the game so much, I know it. I want to not have that sitting around in the back of my head being absolutely useless, but it is now. So, mm-hmm. so John, was it weird to you playing a monk uh, the way that the guy puts away his weapon and does stuff with his hands? Like, is that because I, I had that weird disconnect with my witch doctor? Is I had to equip a weapon because that determines what damage you do with your spell. Mm-hmm. But then the weapon vanishes when you're actually doing your spell move. Was that weird for you, John? I thought it was really weird. I was like, oh, you're supposed to have weapons as a monk? That seems really weird because monks it took are hand-to-hand me a while. combat. Yeah. And, and it I also... Just, and and it made just, me, go ahead, sorry. And I, was just, <laughs> and I was just like, if I don't have these weapons, like my attacks are way less powerful and I don't attack mm-hmm. as fast. So I guess I need them, but I don't know why I would need them. I'm a monk. Mm-hmm. The big aha moment for, I think, me and uh, my friends was when, like, we were playing and then you find some craft weapon, you know, because, like, when I started playing the monk, I was just using only fist weapons because I thought, you know, maybe there's some sort of bonus or something. And you uh, you get to a point where you find some weapon with a good bit higher damage on it, you equip it, and you notice your, you know, if it's like a two-hander or something, your attack damage goes up, like, really high. You start doing a ton more damage, no matter what the actual character's doing. You know, that, that's the way it is, like, specifically with a wizard or whatever, is that, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, my wizard, when I'm playing him, I run around with, like, a huge battle axe sometimes, if it has enough intelligence and damage on it, you know? <laughs> and I had that aha moment with my wizard, when I was like, <laughs> man, I don't do any damage. Yeah. And then I got a yellow wand from a boss, and it like had all these great stats on it. And I was like, now I'm killing things in like two shots. What the hell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's I, kind of weird how your wizard can have like plate mail and a shield, too. I mean, yeah. they, they, in a way, to their credit, they, uh, they didn't just sort of sit back on their laurels and remake Diablo 2 and they oh, no. didn't they were willing to sort of uh, slaughter these sacred cows that we expect in a lot of like our, our action RPGs and I felt they did the same thing with StarCraft 2 by the way uh, I just feel Blizzard is just doing really smart kind of bold 
tough choices about things like the weapon and having a wizard that's encased in plate mail. And uh, I, I kind of like that they're throwing some things out the window in in the pursuit of making the game better for us. Uh, I, I dig that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, and like over the past yeah you know, week or whatever, I've had a lot of time to think about myself. But other than that, I've played Diablo and uh, I've looked up things about the new Diablo. And it actually is kind of interesting how the damage system works. Um, for instance, as a monk, if you uh, or anybody that uses dual wield, the uh, bonus for it is that your weapons are averaged. They're not added together for your damage. They're averaged. So, of course, you want to keep them near each other in damage. But you get a 15% speed bonus, which is huge in Diablo. Uh, at any point because the speed it's like uh, the equation for it is like your weapon damage and then take your primary stat which each point equals a percentage that uh, over 100 percent and then you add in the weapon speed to see how much damage those weapons you know or how much damage your skills do so with a monk if you dual wield you get a weapon speed bonus and then of course they also get an ability where if they're using two weapons they get an extra 15% chance to dodge. Uh now on something like a two-hander if you got like a really high damage on that you don't have to worry about it being averaged but you don't get the speed bonus. So it's kind of all these crazy ways that things are calculated and it kind of doesn't make sense for like the wizard but you just have to keep in mind that creating these things has to uh they're all based on one thing and they're not they're not all separate. McMaster, like, is this gonna be on the test? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh you you talk like a guy who's got several high level characters. I do. <laughs> uh McMaster, what are you leaning towards as your main these days? You know, I still like the monk, but I'm trying the the wizard because their main stat intelligence also uh, dictates resistance. Um, and you can and so, I can imagine that really paying off in Nightmare and Hell and Inferno. Right, because you start running into tons of. Uh, you know, that's the thing is like you keep, start hitting stuff like I was saying, uh, Jailer, Arcane, and then in Hell you'll run into stuff like Jailer, Arcane, Plagued, which drops poison on top of you while you can't move and you're being burned with like you know these crazy laser turrets. Uh, or you know anything that stops you from moving, like wallers, they like they they build walls around you to keep you from going, and so you get walled in with a bunch of hell level you know monsters, and they're just punching you in the face, and this is very unfortunate. And if your intelligence is high enough, if you're smart enough, you can shrug some of that off. Yeah, you can actually. Your intelligence is ba- basis uh, is the basis for all of your resistances, uh, including physical to an extent. Now, I can't help but wonder if eventually a character build, because early on at the the level that like John and I are at, uh, I just am, am happy just emphasizing one stat, my main stat. But I can't help but wonder if later on you really do need to make sure to get points into strength for the armor bonus, intelligence for the resistance bonus. I guess dexterity gives everyone dodge. dodge and, of course, yeah. and, of course, vitality, you want those those life points, those, that health. Uh, well. Yeah, and the life uh, levels jump dramatically, too. Uh, Like, you know, of course, I I finished, I think, normal mode with a few hundred hit points, maybe like around a thousand uh, as the monk. And then I finished uh, nightmare mode with about, I don't know, seven or eight thousand. And so far at the beginning of hell, I'm up to fourteen thousand or so. 
And uh, Sarah's Demon Hunter, who's around the same area, has about 18,000 hit points. And then a friend of mine who's level 60 and beyond, he has like 30,000. So it's like the the hit points jump like really crazy. Man, how you would you would never die if you had that many hit points. It's, the game's got to be so easy at that point. Oh, that's yeah, totally easy. <laughs> They're all hitting you for like a million points of damage. <laughs> uh, let's talk a bit about single player versus multiplayer. So, John, you mentioned your friend's the monk. You're the wizard. Have you guys gotten mm-hmm. able to? Have you spent much time playing multiplayer like that? Yeah, it's pretty much the only way I play now because uh, I don't want to get too far ahead in the story without him. I've heard uh, people recommend to just burn through the game single player, and then you know you can always go back and replay it through uh, with someone else. And uh, I don't know. I just. Uh, I've been just so busy that I haven't had a lot of time to play, so I figure the time I do have to play, I'll I'll play with uh, someone else. Right. I will say that one of the things that I, I just remember what a huge hassle it was playing Diablo 2 to keep characters kind of in lockstep with the story <laughs> so that they could play together. Because you would get someone who's like, oh, I'm not in Act 2 yet, so I can't play with your character, and if I jump yeah. back, uh, they've they've uh, that can still be an issue with Diablo 3, but if you want to do it, like they've made it just dirt simple. You can jump into pretty much anyone else's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're way level, if they're higher level above you, you can jump into their game if you want. If they're really high level, they can come back and help you with your game. Uh, they just make it a lot easier to downplay the story being lockstep for everyone and just let you jump into wherever you want to go. Uh, and I really like that. McMaster, I'm sure that's been a boon for you, like with Sarah and your friends, certainly with you and I oh, trying yeah. to play. Yeah, no, I have like a thousand characters. Uh, I've played with with so many different people at this point that I've, uh, yeah, I've got, I think just about every class up to uh, around ten, if not above, and I have a few in the thirties and above. So yeah, I've I've played through it a lot with a lot of people, and it's actually really, really cool. You know, old Battle.net, you always had to uh, work and worry about losing your character after like. 12 minutes or whatever their time limit was for how long they would keep it on their servers. And uh, um, this, you know, I can kind of screw around. I don't really have to worry about it. At least, you know, I mean, it's, you know, of course there's no single player offline, so they would kind of have to do something where they keep your characters. Uh, John, does this does this always online stuff bother you at all? I don't know. Not at all. I mean, I don't know. I played World of Warcraft for... Um, most of my college years uh, probably changed me as a person in a way. <laughs> I, I had a probably pretty bad WoW addiction for a while. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, it just doesn't bother me. I know a lot of people complain about it and think it's a bad thing, but I, I don't know. It's never affected me. I'm always online, so I don't know. It's kind of the wave yeah. of the future. That's how I felt, too. I played on Battle.net all the time anyway when I played Diablo, so I, it didn't really bother me that much. It does make me wonder how much of this is kind of a, a, a generational complaint, like at how much some of, of us older folks remember uh, this not being an issue. Like, and, and also land support. I really miss land support. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I've got multiple copies of Diablo 3 here, so when folks come over to the land, we can all play it. But with yeah. Diablo 2, with the spawning, that was never an issue. Uh, with, with most RTSs uh, and these days, with things like Steam and, and Battle.net, that's just no longer an option. But if you were sort of weaned on things like World of Warcraft, it's not going to occur to you. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I used to play a lot of 
uh, older games too on LAN, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't still get together to play LAN as much anymore either. So a lot of times it's over the internet anyway. So it's just kind of the way the world is changing. We're all growing older. <laughs> thanks, thanks for bringing us down again. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm really good at that. <laughs> you know, and I, I played all those games for God's sakes. I played Hot Seat, uh, Master of Orion two. Yeah, so I, I just I don't know if it's so much generational as like your how much you like. Yeah, then again, maybe it is hell. Well, yeah. what, just to just to clarify, McMaster, I'm not saying because I'm also I'm in the same camp as you guys. The online stuff doesn't bother me. I recognize why they're doing it. Uh, it hasn't impacted me negatively, but I just wonder if a lot of younger folks, it doesn't even occur to them to think that it's a bad thing or to be bothered by it. Uh, well, you know, it's. At some point, yeah, you could be disappointed that the game doesn't have a single-player mode, and if that means enough to you, then you don't purchase it. I mean, that that just makes sense to me, at least. Uh, and that's you know, and that's a shame, you know, that you don't want to that, that that's enough for you. But if that's how you feel, then then that's how you can show that. And uh, the Blizzard has been nothing but upfront since day one. That's that true. it was going to be an online game. You know, that's the way it is. It's not like they just, like, really pulled the wool over our eyes, you know. I, I don't think there was a point where they, I mean, maybe early on before anything was actually said about the infrastructure, uh, there was the assumption that there would be one, but I don't think Blizzard has ever led people to believe that. So I, I don't know. One of the things that I really do like about the online only is how seamless the multiplayer works. Like, when I jump online to play... A lot of times I'll be like, I'm just going to play my Barbarian for a little bit. I get online and I see, oh, McMaster's playing. I'll just jump into his game. Or, yeah. oh, you know, my, there's there's Bruce Garrick. He's playing. I'll go grief him. He's got his little <laughs> level two guy. I'll, I'll drop in with my level 40 dude and just run circles around him. Like, I love how uh, accessible it is once you flesh out your friends list. Um, I love looking at other people's achievements. But most importantly... Um, I really like, I mainly played Diablo 2 single player, and I would mainly pick a class I liked and work with that. I really like how Diablo 3, being online, encourages that multiplayer and encourages you to appreciate the interplay amongst the different character classes and different builds. Uh, like To me, what I most am enjoying about Diablo 3 is seeing how the spread of abilities just makes exponentially more possibilities for character builds and the way they interact with the different monsters. You know, you yeah. talking, McMaster, about those little affixes for the, the elite mobs, you know, they only have one in normal, and then eventually the, there's two of them, and that just makes it much more interesting in the way that combines with all the different skills you've got. And then fold on top of that up to four characters. Uh, and it used to be, it's just so easy now to just jump into a custom game and to just experience that right off the bat. Uh, and I, I love that aspect of it. I've been playing a barbarian, and a lot of times when I'll jump into a game, uh, I will find myself with, say, a demon hunter or a wizard, a traditionally squishy class, and I get this great sense of kinship where I want to protect that guy, even if it's an anonymous game. You know, I you know, you're fighting mobs, and a lot of it is this great crowd control. It's positional tactics where you want to make sure to be to be hitting the most number of them at the same time, and I get this great sense of wanting to protect that little guy back there. And when someone slips around me and is chasing him down, I get this really indignant, hey, you leave him alone kind of sensibility, like running after a monster to stop him from hurting my friend wizard or demon hunter. Uh, yeah, that reminds I, I, me... Uh -huh. 
I, it just reminds me when I used to play World of Warcraft, um, I rolled a, a warrior, the tank class, and uh, a lot of that game is, you know, strategy and trying to keep the guy on you. Yeah. And then when somebody attacks the guy, you know, behind you, you're like, get what the hell, man? Like, you, right? Yeah, I gotta <laughs> take him out. <laughs> it's uh, like, how dare you? <laughs> right? Uh, you take it as a personal affront when you lose aggro. Absolutely. Uh, and McMaster, I know in uh, one of the drafts I was looking at of some of the writing you were wanting to do about Diablo three is you mentioned how it reminded you of World of Warcraft. Yeah. Uh, and then John, you mentioning that that combat, that team based combat dynamic that MMOs do so well. I feel like I'm getting that in Diablo 3 without getting all the other baggage that goes with so many MMOs. Yeah, and you can think about it this way. People complain about there's not single player, but it's basically kind of like an MMO that you don't play a monthly fee for because you play with all these other people online. You basically do all the dungeons <laughs> that would be in an MMO. But, I mean, I don't know. I, you could think of it as a positive way. You know, I love when you, you put know. it that way. Yeah, that's exactly. This. It's not online only. It's an MMO without a subscription fee. <laughs> that's very well put. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. It reminds me of kind of like a mixture of Guild Wars and World of Warcraft. Yeah, I see a lot of Guild Wars in it. Good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and... And the thing I think that uh, is so interesting to me is that it's like they—they they certainly did distill it, just like you were saying with, with StarCraft. It's like it's almost perfectly broken down to, you know, kill things, get loot, and uh, that's a pretty good feeling. It's uh, like taking the best of Diablo two and combining it with uh, some pretty decent World of Warcraft esque infrastructure. And in, in also, not nobody picked this as news of the week, but it, it's not really news because we all saw it coming. Hugely successful. What are like six point yeah. three million copies? I mean, yeah. oh good lord, they 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 must be just tickled over there at Blizzard, and I'm really happy for them. I mean, it's great to see a, a great game doing well. I remember uh, when this came out, like the news came out. I was at work, um, my first job out of college. Like, because you think about how long ago they announced this game. And, you know, that reveal they did on their website. Oh, that's you know, right. It was, like, slowly, like, changing. And you're like, what is it going to be? And my friends and I are huge, like, StarCraft, World of Warcraft fans. And we played Diablo. And, like, it came on to be Diablo. And he ran into my office and was like, it's Diablo 3. It's Diablo 3. And we were, like, freaking out years ago, you know. Like, yeah. it's just kind of one of those things that's been on everyone's mind for a long time. You know, John, that's really funny to hear you say that because I'm the exact opposite of you. Like, I was one of those guys who was really wanting, you know, like a world of StarCraft. Like, let's do <laughs> let's do a science fiction-themed MMO. And I still was digging Diablo 2, so I didn't really feel this need for Diablo 3. So when they announced it was Diablo 3, good Lord, I couldn't have cared less. I was just so unimpressed. And even after playing the beta, John, because the beta went through a lot of yeah. incarnations. I played an early version of it where they dealt with the skills <laughs> yeah. differently. But I was so, even after playing the beta, I was like, whatever. I, I was like way too cool for school with Diablo 3. I couldn't have cared less. Even playing through it early on, I was like, yeah, whatever. Click, click, click. Yeah, this is fun. Fine, whatever. But just somewhere along the way, it really got its hooks into me. Uh, but yeah, oh, yeah. You know, it's like Blizzard games. I I love just about everything they do. I, I, and I know that makes me a shill or something, but I've always been a big fan of, of their work. Uh, I actually don't like StarCraft or StarCraft 2. It's just not my, my thing. I like Warcraft 3 quite a bit. But uh, anyway, uh, it, it all comes down to you can't really – you can't sit there and hand ring over a Blizzard title because they're not going to give it to you when you want it. You know, uh, I was excited about Diablo 3, like, years back, and then after a while, you're, 
you just kind of you kind of stop caring. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how excited you get about Heart of the Swarm, McMaster. Do you know? Do you even know what that is? Oh, is that the StarCraft II expansion? The the lack of interest in your voice is is uh, <laughs> powerfully <laughs> evident. <laughs> Well, you know, it's like I even, uh, I, it's not that I don't like their, uh, <laughs> the story for StarCraft or anything. I just don't like playing the game that much. It, it's just, I hate Rush. You know, if I play a game, I like to kind of, uh, I don't know, take my time, build stuff up, play with different units. But if you play that game, I, you just it's have the to same be way ready. When I play. Yeah, it's, it's just not, it's just not fun to get like, Either you make enough troops instantly, or they make enough troops instantly, and uh, whoever is left after six minutes is the winner. You know, there's there's a word for you two guys, and that word is lightweights. <laughs> oh, no. I, you know, I know watch. how to. It's just not fun. I enjoy watching it, the competitive South Korean StarCraft, because uh, it's kind of like a kind of a neat back and forth game with tactics you can see happening but uh i'm just i can't i can't i get too stressed i start freaking out you know <laughs> it's definitely not a just sort of kick back and chill uh sensation yeah no rts's require all your brain power like there's some games that i can play and have people talk to me while i'm playing them and i can still play them in an rts i can't do that if you're trying to talk to me when i'm playing an rts either don't or I'm going to pause the game. <laughs> I just cannot devote any brain power to something like listening uh, with an RTS. So yeah, that's like how I got with Age of Empires uh, yeah. online. Just like, and yeah, I like playing StarCraft too, but I like playing against the computer. I enjoyed the co-op part of it. I just that's the only thing that it really held any interest to for me. Right. Right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so we're all playing Diablo three. No surprise there. Uh, <laughs> The big suspense will be, will we still be playing it next week? Uh, McMaster, do you have any predictions about that? Oh, I will be. Um, you, uh, maybe. You seem to be liking hardcore. So. Oh, well, that's, you know what, let's, so let's bring up that briefly. I'm, I'm sorry. All yeah. right. Uh, so, John, <laughs> do you have any interest in hardcore? So, you know, I've death, always yeah. had a stance mm-hmm. that I love the hardcore. Yeah. But not in video games. <laughs> <laughs> No, wait, I don't uh, think yeah. so. <laughs> you made me... Wait a minute, then what is he talking about? Hard- oh, I see what he did. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, no. So, Actually, no. I'm not interested at all. Uh, I don't know. I hate that idea that I'm going to die. C- coming from someone who just said they played DayZ, a game where you die all the time and you're always going to die, and permadeath, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just in an RPG, it bugs me too much. I'm too much of a slow player that it would losing progress would kill me. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> so, uh, McMaster, are you? Uh, none of your characters are hardcore, right? None of the ones I've played anything with. I, you know, and the the reason that is, uh, I wanted to find the character I thought could live the longest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got a little bit more research to do, but I'm leaning either towards wizard or demon hunter. Well, those would be the ones I would think, yeah. Like, I would think they're squishy and vulnerable, but no? You would think, but they're ranged. <laughs> See, the problem is the higher you get in the game, and I know... How far are you with your Barbarian and Nightmare? Uh, Act 2, just Act 2. Okay. If uh, Once you start getting above Nightmare, you start hitting all the things that punish, like, physical. 
Like, they just, uh, that's the way it was in Diablo uh, 2. You know, I played a paladin forever, and then you get to a point where you, all you're really doing is physical damage, or, and then there are monsters that just kill you instantly, uh, because they reflect 5,000% of your damage. And I'm afraid that's going to happen in this one, too. Uh, so I, as much as I love my monk, and I was I was pulling for the idea of it being able to make it, uh, I'm kind of on the the verge of it. There, I don't know. <laughs> well, I just as someone who really is like I, I'm liking the high level barbarian play where there are no consequences to death, and it is a very laid back sensation. Oh, Even it. when it gets a little crazy, if I die, no big deal. Uh, it just feels very different playing hardcore, and I just enjoy that I have the option to play with those stakes. Now I say that having already lost one hardcore character, not super high level, uh, but I was worried that I would be completely bummed out when I lost a hardcore character, and I'm pleased to say I wasn't. <laughs> I actually mm, thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was really funny. I was playing with a friend of mine, and uh, I had jumped into a higher level game than I should have been in, and I was just thinking, I'll just hang back and kill stuff. And uh, it didn't work out so well, and I got killed, and uh, we both thought it was really funny. And uh, I don't know if I will be able to keep that as I get higher levels. Like, it, like It's like gambling and then moving up to higher stakes. You know, if you lose your shirt at nickel poker, hey, no big deal. If you lose your shirt... At you know some like ten dollar anti game, that's something different. So losing a low level high, hardcore character, hey, it's funny. Losing a level thirty hardcore character, I don't know that I would be as amused, uh, but we'll see. So no, it's you know the thing with that too is that you're you're really kind of playing the same game over and over again. So it's not like you know it's not like you've lost that much other than the time you've put into that one character and their items, but. It does suck losing all that time. I mean, admittedly, but it, it's not heart wrenching like you'd expect. Cause, right. uh, it's happened to me in Diablo 2 quite a few. Well, times. and you say losing all that time, but you're losing it anyway playing a non-hardcore character. I mean, it's not like you're getting expecting a return on investment or anything. It's you right. know, you're, you're spending time having, and I know what you did earlier, McMaster. Don't think I didn't hear that. You're spending time having fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you're getting, you're still getting that out of it. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we'll see how cavalier I am about it once I lose my higher-level hardcore characters. It's going to happen. Like I wrote sure. on the form, it's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. Sure, um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you think of it this way, it's not like you're going to keep that character forever, no matter what. Eventually, you're going to stop playing Diablo. Uh, I, I think the big thing I want to see is how long it takes them to do an expansion and if they're going to raise the level cap 10 levels. Because if they do that, I know we're in for trouble. <laughs> All right, so uh, Diablo 3, uh, still going strong. A little DayZ talk. Thank you so much for bringing that, John. I've, I've, uh, you know, I can't wait to jump into this. I'm going to give it a little more time to bake, but I'm so glad to hear from guys like you sort of blazing the trail. Yeah, we're uh, like Chuck Yeager here, yeah. you know, <laughs> testing them out. Come, come yeah. back safely and, uh, yeah, report those bugs and, uh, yeah, good. Yeah, it's definitely something that if you're not, like, huge into the technical aspect, I would definitely wait a little bit and just watch some of the fun videos and read some of the stories and, you know, but eventually, hopefully, it's going to become something that's much easier to play and get into and at that point, jump in, maybe when it hits beta. 
And at that yeah. point, too, find guys like you who played it in Alpha and who know what they're doing and who we can follow around. <laughs> and I'm a giant monster <laughs> with tons of guns. Right, exactly. You'd be our protector. So, All right, well, John, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, folks can hear John Rowe at Born in the 80s. You can find yeah. that on iTunes. Go to what, 80s podcast, was it? 80spodcast.com. See, I did remember. All right, so it is memorable. That That's a good Earl. Or also Party Platypus. Or is it Platypus Party? Nope, Party Platypus. Party Platypus. Good. Yes. John, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for you. having me. Uh, and if you're listening, remember to, let me see if I can get this right, follow us on PayPal, like us on Twitter, and donate to us on Facebook. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll see you on Diablo 3. And whatever you do. Keep watching the stars.